On today's episode of the Fizz, Channy Football and I do it without Ice Cold Brew Lou, who is up north hunting, aka smoking cigs inside and eating KFC. But today we do have a great show for you. The Detroit Lions have defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa this Sunday to take over first place. Yes, first place in the entire NFL. After we discuss that, we talk about the Detroit Red Wings and their electric home opener and then we preview rivalry week which pits michigan against michigan state and then of course we close with a little over under but before we get into all that i have to tell you about our main sponsor which is vosa vosa is a michigan made ready to drink vodka beverage right now they have two styles of the beverage they have a highline drink which has some natural flavor, some carbonation, and has a little bit of a sweeter taste with a higher alcohol volume. 7% alcohol by volume for that drink. It comes in a bunch of flavors, cherry, pineapple, lemon. They are all delicious and they are great for easy sipping. But if you aren't a fan of carbonation, you can also try the Vosa Vodka Water. Those are personally my favorite with the lemon being the best one. Those have no carbonation, all natural flavors, and they are made with six times distilled vodka. They're Michigan made, they support the podcast. So if you guys like vodka ready to drink beverages right out of the can, give them a shot. You can find them at your local grocery store in the Made in Michigan section. Vosa. Enjoy the finer things. But now, let's get into the fizz. Hello and welcome to episode 123 of The Fizz. I'm here, 8.30 at night, post-Lions game, recording with Channy Football. Big Lou's out of town right now, hunting something, I don't know. Not focused on the task at hand like we are, but what is up, Channy Football? How we doing? Not too much. It's Victory Sunday, Frank. It feels great. Yeah, Lou's doing, I don't know if you saw a Snapchat yesterday, but he's smoking cigs inside, picking up KFC through the drive-thru. I think he's attempting to hunt. But he's not hunting big game burgers like Frankie Fast Hands is. No, he's just hunting rat behavior, and that's fine. <laughs> it's rat season for him. But that's fine. We'll check into work. We'll talk about the game today uh, while Pizzo's, you know, chopping minutes off his life. That's just fine. <laughs> um, our Detroit Lions are now 5-1 and one after defeating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by a convincing 20-6 to six at Raymond James Stadium today. Fucking absolute gritty business win. They don't score a touchdown. We score two of them, plus a couple of field goals. What a day. Just a business trip. Took care of took care of it. They're a division leading team, but so are we, and we're in a different echelon than them. We sure are, and it was just a different way of doing it. We've been dominating here these last three weeks, taking over games in the second half, grounding and pounding teams led by our offensive line in Montgomery. But today with Montgomery getting injured, only 40 rush yards. So what, what do we do? We throw the ball 44 times with Jared Goff. He completes 30 of those for over 300 yards and two touchdowns. And we rely on our pro bowler, probably our best offensive player, Amon Ross St. Brown, for just another huge game, 
huge receptions over the middle, on the outside, long, short, in between, just all around a great victory. And another one, we're stacking them together by the Lions here, five and one. Seems like we were just one and one yesterday. Yeah, I know. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, just watching that game, the biggest key for me was without a doubt third down. On both sides of the ball, I thought we just absolutely dominated third down. Uh, Josh Reynolds is the absolute, he is the serpent of death. He catches all first downs, all touchdowns. Today, they actually said he caught his first pass that wasn't a first down or a touchdown today, (laughs) which is an astronomical fucking stat for a guy who's in the lineup every day catching footballs. He and Jared Goff have like just this brainwave connection on third down that they seem to always find each other. Yeah, he played well today. Um, again, Goff played well today. And, and another thing is they just didn't make those mistakes. I know you had mentioned it on Wednesday's podcast was you, were, you felt like Baker was just going to make those mistakes and that was going to be the difference in the game. And that was the difference. He threw the pick early. That was off a batted ball. He didn't make the big throws on third down like you alluded to. Um, We made the plays. They made the mistakes. And that's what led us to our fifth victory and fourth straight this season. Yeah, and I was actually, you know, thinking about it too. I did have the thought, you know, if Baker could hit a deep ball, like we might have been in a lot more trouble. I mean, we would have been. and Maybe not in trouble, but it would have been a lot tighter of a game. But I also kind of wonder if that was part of the game plan, was like make Baker throw a deep ball to Palmer. You know, yeah. like let's let, let's make him beat us that way as opposed to the dink and dunk and, you know, all that over the middle and stuff like that. I mean, Mike Williams dropped balls today too, so – don't want to put it all on all on Baker by any stretch, uh, but definitely he was not he was not him today. He did not have it in him to beat the Detroit Lions today in the creamsicles at home. No, and I thought they'd come out a little more electric with the creamsicles on. Usually they don't come out as flat as they did, but um, with us Montgomery getting out of the game and within what five plays, Reynolds makes the snapshot play of the year. Basically, just what this team is all about. Next man up, effort, playing through the whistle, comes up, makes a key block to spring him on, Ron, the first touchdown. I don't know if we could have wrote it better for this team that their third string running back comes in and makes a hustle play to get them their first touchdown. And that, in my opinion, set the tone for the whole game. Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. That was the block of the year. Um non-ball play of the year, however you want to describe it. That was so fucking cool, especially knowing Monty was probably going to be out for the game. Next guy comes in, blows up his fucking spot, uh, and then Amon Ross scores the touchdown. I mean, to me, that does define, like, exactly what this team is. Um, You know, we've mentioned injuries and the next man coming up. Uh, uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson gets hurt. Uh, Brian Branch gets hurt. Tracy Walker comes in. Makes makes a huge hit today, really setting the tone. They originally threw the flag on it because it was just so good of a hit. Yep. But he just fucking fed that guy his lunch. Um, it's it's actually crazy with what we've been able to do with backup players and injuries and and moving people around. Uh, it's it's been pretty fucking incredible. It, it's hard to believe, really. And that's a shout out to Brad Holmes. You know, he's gotten these guys a Monra fourth round pick. I mean, he's gotten impact players through the draft he obviously traded Stafford for a boatload of picks but he's just done such a good job of not only getting guys to come in and start 
but getting guys that can fill in, step up, and really play a multitude of positions, whether it be on special teams, running back, whether they're asked to be a safety or a cornerback. I mean, Brad Holmes has done a great job with this personnel, and then the coaching staff has taken these players, and it, it seems like when someone comes out, someone jumps in, and you don't skip a beat. They know what's going on. They know the checks. They know what plays are running, the protections. That's a testament to the coaching staff. So from top being the GM and Brad Holmes all the way to the players who are the 53rd through 55th men sometimes on these rosters, everyone has really come to form what seems to be one of the deepest rosters in the NFC, if not the whole NFL. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there are no more – there are no more unbeatens in the NFL after after today. We'll get into the rest of the NFL in a little bit, but a few more you know notes with the Lions today. Like Jared Goff is just more than we could have ever bargained for. I mean, like, would you say Matt Ryan? Yeah, right. What, were, <laughs> what, what what were you saying he was today? Like we threw the ball forty four times. He was like three hundred and sixty two yards. I yep. mean, just just absolutely crazy crazy stuff no interceptions no turnovers um he he is just playing the best football of his career right now I I think that's safe to say by far and you know you look at his stats and you say well he completes a lot of balls he completes a lot of balls underneath a surprising stat that I saw going into this week that I believe stayed the same after this week is the Lions have the most plus or 20 plus yard completions they might be second behind the Dolphins now But they're throwing the ball down the field. This isn't like an Alex Smith 10 to 15-yard West Coast offense dink and dunk. They're still taking shots down the field. Goff is putting it on people. His receivers are making plays. And speaking of receivers making plays, it was great seeing J-Mo, his hot Cheetos, his queso, get into the end zone and make a big play and get that monkey off his back after having a less than stellar first week back. Yeah, and it it happened, you know, that was another kind of sequence that really shows what this team is. Like, Jared Goff kind of got his arm hit as he threw to J-Mo. Ball fell a little short, but it still hit his hands, and Jameson actually, like, should have caught it. He looked pretty unathletic with it. And, I mean, as soon as that one fell right in front of him, you could just – all the texts were flying in, all the, all the tweets were going out. Everyone was dogging him. Everyone was ripping him. And I mean, to be honest, I threw my hands up just like, buddy, like, how do you just look so unathletic on that play? Like, go catch it. Next play, Goff puts one right in Laporta's hands for like eight or nine yards. He puts it on the turf, just drops it, (laughs) flat out drop. Um, And then it's a third and long. And we take a a deep ball, very contested deep ball to J-Mo, and he hauls it in for a touchdown. And it's just like, that's exactly what this team is. You know, it's like, you know, we joke about, uh, Dan Campbell's fucking intro press conference where we get knocked down three times and, you know, you bite him on the way down and right. shit like that. But like, that is, that is like exactly what it is right now. It's like, they just get up and they play the next play. And it's, it's weird to have so much confidence on third down on both sides of the ball. It, I just, it, I could, couldn't get over how addicting it was to convert third downs on offense. And that J-Mo bomb was a third and 10. And what I like seeing was St. Brown was, he might have been more excited than J-Mo that he caught the ball. When he got yeah. to the sidelines, Brid- Bridgewater came over to meet him by the end zone. Like, it seems like his teammates want him to succeed, which is telling me that behind closed doors, he's either a good guy, he's working hard, he's a team player, he's bought in, 
if he was a if he was one of those guys that was distancing himself or maybe a diva, I'd be a little nervous about him. But when he caught that ball, it was like it was a team celebration. It was like each of them had scored a touchdown. So I thought that was great. And and one play that doesn't make the box score that I want to mention. I don't know if you remember it, but the end of the third quarter, what did we do? We did a hard count with a second left, and we got the defensive line to jump off sides, which got yeah, us an extra yeah. five yards. That's just what good, good teams do is little things like that where you draw people off sides in, in instances where a lot of teams would just pack it up and walk to the sideline. They're fighting for every play, every yard, and starting the fourth quarter, you're in a first and five instead of a first and ten at that point. Yeah, no, that was awesome. And then to totally like counterpoint that, the end of the half, the Bucks just kind of like let the clock run out and let everything like you see, they just kind of like yep. they, they were like, Why aren't they calling a timeout? Like, oh, I'm surprised they're not gonna take a shot here or anything like that, like knowing we were getting the ball back and everything. Right. Um so yeah, I mean that was that was like incredible. And I, I think the Lions defense started, you know, the half with I think, I mean, we had like five consecutive punts from them or something mm -hmm. like that. It was like, it just, we absolutely put them to sleep in the second half. Um, and it was incredible. And I just wanted to go back to the whole team being with, uh, with Jameson Williams, like CJ Gardner Johnson, like tweeted about it too, like as soon as he scored. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's just, I mean, Marv even caught a football today, which doesn't really ever happen. <laughs> uh, it was nice to see. It was just crazy. It's just it's just wild when these guys go down and how they've been able to adjust. And I mean, I just it, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel real right this now. This is what it feels like to have a good franchise. Not even we've had good teams in the last twenty to thirty years. This is what it feels like to have a well run and well oiled franchise from ownership down to the last person. I mean, and can we not forget? Lions pride traveling to Tampa Bay made another road game feel like a home game. You could hear him on the third down getting loud in Raymond James Stadium. You saw after the game, there were rows upon rows, sections upon sections of Lions fans coming down to the field. We might be, it was always the, the Niners, the Steelers, the Cowboys traveled well. I'd be surprised if we're not one of the five best well-traveled teams in the league right now because every road game the Lions faithful has shown up and I expect much more of the same with somewhat of a short trip to Baltimore next week oh absolutely I mean they were there was Lions chants going on you could see all the blue in the stadium and it stuck out stuck out so much against any of the red or the orange they had in there and I mean I was there at Lambeau last year in a meaningless quote-unquote meaningless game and it was fucking one pride nation just everywhere it's it's crazy i mean it's the kool-aid's real it's flowing they're a real team this isn't gimmicky this isn't uh fluky wins this isn't miracle stuff i mean this is just like solidly putting teams away i mean think of the games we've won like so you know chiefs very close game you know we got some breaks with some of their injuries being out it was a little bit a tighter one Seahawks game, throw it in the trash. That was the one we lost control of. All the other ones, Green Bay, put them to sleep. Atlanta, put them to sleep. Carolina, put them to sleep. Same thing today with Tampa. And those teams aren't good teams, but, like, we haven't made those close games at all. Right. So, which which is so reassuring to me. It's just, like, that's what you do to those teams. Um, 
and it, it's just awesome to see. Like we even haven't even had a close call with no, that, with we, bad teams. We haven't. And and what do great teams do? They control the trenches. And again, we controlled the trenches. Gave up less than fifty yards rushing again. Like that's what travels. That's why we're beating all these teams in a row the way we're beating them is because our offensive line has been dominant, even with injuries this year. And our defensive line is deep enough to rotate. Aleem McNeil laying in the weeds as one of the best interior defensive linemen this year. And you don't really see it or hear it much in the game. You maybe see a deflected pass or he collapses the pocket, but he's not getting you the sacks, the forced fumbles, the fumble recoveries but he's doing everything you ask of him, an interior defensive lineman. And that is why I think we're dominating these teams. Offensive line, defensive line, just absolutely controlling the line of scrimmage. I know. I just, and uh, it's, it's incredible. And it's, it's wild what all of that does for everything around, you know, people have confidence to go make more plays. Like golf is, is running again, you know, like, he used to run a little bit with the Rams. I mean, I'm not saying he's a runner or a dual threat. I mean, I like to joke that he's a dual threat, <laughs> but like he is moving, I feel like so much better than he did when he got here in his first two years. Like it feels like he can actually get out of the pocket and like pick up two to three yards if he needed to. When I felt like before he was true statue, couldn't move at all. Yep. Yep. And he, he finally feels like it's his team, you know, yeah. for a couple of years we were like, is this going to be our guy? Is he a transition? Do we resign him? Do we not? Like, you could kind of see, like, it is his team now. He's getting interviewed. He's leading the charge in the locker room. He's taking control of the offense. He's taking control of the offense at the line of scrimmage. It's Jared Goff's team, and as many good players as we have, Hutchinson, ARSB, Panay Sewell, I think you can say everyone looks towards him, and as the team, as Jared Goff goes, that is how the team goes. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's just smart and methodical. And that's kind of what this team is. You know, it's, it's, I mean, sure. The JMO bomb was like, you know, kind of a home run play, but that's not really how we've been, been beaten teams. And I mean, you know, now that we're, I mean, we're toting everybody right now. Let's not, let's not forget Ben Johnson either. I mean, what he is calling right now is just, is just masterful, you know? Um, and the players are getting it done, but I mean, you got, it. it's, it's it's incredible to watch the plays he's dialing up and how he decides to choose them and when he does them and how he finds these soft spots and the players and personnel he decides to use when he does it is just it's a fucking treat to watch and you better soak it all in now because that guy's going to get scooped up for a head coaching job next year almost no doubt exactly soak it up we got him through the duration of the year that's all that matters Go get it this year. And if anyone has any questions, because I know a lot of things have been flying around recently about, hey, should we trade for this guy, but we have to give up this? Should we trade for that? Well, we're trying to build for the future. Focus on what you have now. You have a 5 and one football team that are that is dominating teams week in and week out. And stop selling yourself short. This ain't the same old Lions. This isn't that team. This is a new team in a new era, and you got to have the confidence to go and get it because NFL stands for not for long, and windows can close very quickly. Enjoy it. Go all in. We've never been here. If the opportunity presents itself, get better because, Detroit, this team 
is a winner, and this team has a chance to compete for a Super Bowl this year. Yeah, absolutely, especially since this week there are no more unbeaten teams, and boy, oh boy, did the two kings of the NFC look like look like not that little. They looked like little boys today. I was gonna say like I don't know what I was gonna compare it to. They look jesters. We we'll go with jesters. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and yeah, I mean, my God, I lost. Oh my God, the bets I lost on the Niners and Eagles today. Um, so it's yeah, it's a tough position for me because that was you know my two big bets today. But as far as the power rankings go in the NFC, I mean, it is it is now a true question of who is really number one because. Brock Purdy looked very Brock Purdy of, of uh, what his name actually was when he was drafted today. They looked just feeble versus the Browns once CMC and Debo went down. And the Eagles finally, like, they haven't looked good or crisp all year, and it finally caught up with them this year as they fall to the Jets late. I mean, both games were fucking ridiculous finishes. San Fran should have won on their last second field goal. The Eagles should have won 20 times over and they both blew it late, but they didn't look good. They didn't look good. They didn't look dominating. Like San Fran finally showed a chink in that armor and it actually looked pretty, uh, pretty damaging. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll start a GoFundMe for you. Just take those two teams every week. If we can get these results, yeah, we'll right. get the Fizz army to start reimbursing you for taking those <laughs> teams. But, um, I thought it was going to be a tough game. I know we talked about it and highlighted it last week. I did think it was going to be a tough game for the Niners. Same spot as week one last year against the Bears. I, I just I don't know how they can travel in the, the weather. And, again, you know, it happens in the NFL. We said it going into this week. Like, the Lions are going to have off games. Like, that's what happens when you play a 17-game schedule, when you have to deal with injuries. Obviously, Debo leaves the game. McCaffrey leaves the game for the Niners. You're not expecting that. So that's going to happen. You're going to have off games. And it, it, it comes to the point where I can't even believe I'm saying this, but why not? Why can't we beat the Niners? Why can't we get them down seven to 10 points and make Brock Purdy beat us? Because that is the formula for beating the Niners is getting them down and making him him being Brock Purdy, try to come back and win the game. But they're one injury away, too, from having a total shift in what their offense looks like. So at the end of the day, I'm asking myself, why not? Because I see the Niners today, and if they play like that against the Lions, the Lions will beat a team like that. And then you hit on it with the Eagles. They have not looked crisp all year. Their best game was against the Bucks. Outside of that, they have not looked well. Jalen Hurts threw up some very errant passes today, um, almost 50-50 balls, overthrows, underthrows, just not very good looking from Jalen Hurts, and a late interception cost him. But I'm just asking myself, why not? We are every bit as good as these teams. Yes, they've been there more than we have, but talent-wise, execution-wise, and results-wise this year, why not the Lions? They're definitely top three in the NFC and now having a three-way tie atop the NFC with those other two teams. You can make an argument. They're the best team in the NFC. And I don't want to say team to beat yet, but they can be the team to beat by the end of the regular season. I mean, 
I don't think it's a stretch to say it at all. And you look at the Eagles' schedule, they've beaten the Patriots, the Vikings, the Bucks, the Commanders, the Rams, and they lost to the Jets. I mean, that's arguably the easiest schedule uh, in the NFL. That's, yep. that's not even an exaggeration. The Patriots are a bottom five team. Vikings are a bottom probably five, definitely 10 team. The Bucks, you know, they're not great. The Commanders, not a good team. Rams, not a good team. Like, wild to, and then they lost to the jets that is crazy to me that that has been their schedule so you know you say like why not us why not us like i don't even know if san fran or the eagles have played uh a team like us uh dallas was the biggest one on the 49ers schedule yep. and they're definitely not an elite team right now but i mean the 49ers Steelers, bad team. Rams, bad team. Giants, awful team. Cardinals, bad team. Cowboys, again, like we said, and then they lost to the Browns. So at least we've played the Kansas City Chiefs in, in our lineup of games played. Um, maybe toss Green Bay in there. I don't know. It's not like our schedule has been a world beater of one, but it's definitely been tougher than these two teams. And the NFC is right there for the taking. Yep. There's no reason there's no reason or there's no reason to be scared of anybody. And you're going to find out a lot about the Niners because they have road games at Jacksonville, Seattle and Philadelphia in the next 6 weeks. So, you know, you start looking at the Lions schedule, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but if they beat Baltimore next week and they're 6 and 1 going into Monday night before their bye week, I mean, we've said it for a couple weeks in a row now. You just take care of business this next week, which is what they'll have to do again. You could be seven and one at the bye with a very easy back half, which includes five games against your NFC North foes. So it's it's a very favorable schedule for the Lions. We seem to have an easier second half than first half, and the Niners seem to be coming up to a tougher stretch. It's in. For, it's up for the taking, and I can't believe I'm saying it. I can't believe it's this quick. Um, but I looked this up today. I, I just, I just need to get this out there. From what I could find, their most wins in a regular season was 91 at 12. To me, like tying it is the the floor right now. 12 and five is the floor, the absolute floor for the Lions right now. I mean, it's, it is nuts to hear, but it's not nuts when you look at the games they have left. We haven't even played the Vikings, and we still play them twice. We haven't played the Bears. We still have them twice. Like, Green Bay, they get to come into Ford Field on Thanksgiving. Good fucking luck. Like, Denver? Mark, the, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, just Las Mark Vegas. Just, <laughs> yeah, right. It, it, it's just – it's absolutely crazy. It's crazy. And then, I mean, Dallas on the road is like a tough one. I mean, nothing is too crazy to say right now. I mean, it's really not. Like, truly, if you look at the rest of the schedule, the Lions would be favored in every single game they're going to play in, except maybe on the road at Dallas, and I bet you it's a one-point fucking spread. Like, if you were to make that line right now. Yep. Um the Lions would be favored in every single game moving forward. I would think just, so too. I would. Think I don't they see how they would be. I, I think I they would have would. to be. I mean, you can't take. You can't say Dallas is a better team than the Lions right now. Maybe give them a little edge because they're at home field. They play on a neutral site. The Lions pound the Cowboys. They play them in Ford Field. They pound them, and I still think they beat them in Dallas if you line them up today with how they've been playing. 
Lions are lucky, though, they don't have to play the Bengals because guys, I, I told you guys, I told you guys, I told you, they weren't going to die. They weren't going to roll over. They weren't going to make me look bad. They were going to make a Super Bowl run, and that was an entertaining game today. I knew the Seahawks would be tired. I didn't think they'd be 13 points tired, but um, a gritty win for the Bengals, and I think that's a team that you look at on the other side of the bracket and you say, we've already beat KC. If we get there, who are we playing? They're one of the two or three teams that could be in the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I'm still not sold on them at all. Um, I know that's that's your boys this year, but the way they open this year and the way they – even their wins to me have just not been super convincing or, or feel good. I mean, today, good win at home without a doubt, um, but I just – they still haven't shown anything to me that they're going to be even in the AFC championship game. I Like, that's just where I'm at with them right now. The more – I'm looking more at – Kansas City and the Bills right mm-hmm. now is where is the two I'm looking at. And to me, it's still Kansas City. It's just they don't lose games. Like, they just find ways to win games, um, even more so than the Bills do. Like, I think the Bills are the better team, but I just – there's there's a guy number 15 in red who just refuses to lose. Who just can't beat us, even if he's yeah. playing at home. So, that's, that's good. I'm okay with facing them. I kind of feel, like, bad because – I know you and I both think this way. We're like, all right, Bengals, Bills, Chiefs. These are the top three teams that we could face. Miami, under the radar somewhat. I mean, I I put it in the notes here. This could be the best offensive team since the Welker, Brady, Moss, Patriots, and or the greatest show on turf. I feel like every time they flick over to him on red zone, Tyreek's doing a 20-yard in, Tyreek or Waddle, and then they're running for another 25 yards after the catch. Yeah, I mean, Tua has been lights out this year, too. And I don't mean with, like, concussions. Like, he's actually playing really well. And fucking – I mean, they were down 14 nothing, and it was erased in no time. Like, it was refresh the phone two times, and it's 28-14. Yep. I mean, they, they score, like, almost, you know, like college teams. You know, it's just like, oh, Bama's down seven. That won't last long, you know. <laughs> right, right. It's just like they just – they just score. I'm looking at the schedule right now, actually, of your of your Bengals, and they go 49ers Bills next two games. So Strap we're gonna up. find out. We're gonna find out real quick. Strap up, baby, and I think they get the Niners after a bye week. Oh yeah, it is 10:29. Yep. There we go. Yep. Strap sure up, do. baby. They sure do. Keep holding on hope for your boys, and don't forget, I had Miami winning that division, so I don't know why I left them out of like who would be in the Super Bowl, but um, I definitely was pulling for Miami this year. Yeah, I, I I am starting to come around to Miami. Mike McDaniel just still kind of bothers me. He's wearing like off-white Air Forces while he's. I think that's his job. I think he'll always bother you. I think he'll <laughs> always bother everyone. I think that's his like shtick is to bother everyone. I'm like, get, can, come on, like, can you wear the the Nike free runs or whatever they give you? That's I don't know. He just rolls up his he he rolls up his joggers to his mid shin. He wears off-white Air Forces. He's got, like, Versace glasses on. It's like, can you just be a coach, man? I mean, I, I guess he's being him, but I, he just yeah. bothers me. I just cannot buy into the Dolphins just yet. Yeah, and I think it's because of him. Like, I truly believe, like, if anybody else was standing over there, a traditional-ass coach, you'd be like, Dolphins are legit. But no one likes that, that like, swaggy, cocky, like, nerdy <laughs> guy is, like, winning games. 
I mean, can, I, I, I didn't put this on the show sheet, but I do want to mention it. Um, total opposite of swaggy, cocky coach Bill Belichick. Loses another one today, but I want to thank him for continuing to play through the whistle, for trying to throw the ball with that gutless quarterback, Mac Jones, with under two minutes left, Raiders minus three. I was crying, drinking my own tears, and then Mac Jones stepped back to pass, and I saw Crosby coming around the end, and I couldn't believe that I backdoored the Raiders at minus three there. With a safety. With a safety, with a safety, because I don't know if you saw earlier what happened, but Crosby roughed the passer on a, a third down that would have forced him to kick a field goal. So they scored a touchdown because of Crosby, and then just minutes later, he saves the day with a, a safety with just under two minutes left. That's nice. That must have felt good to win a bet today. Um, I did not have the pleasure of that. Well, I did take the Lions, which was great. Um, so I did win a bet. So, but um, no, my two picks went horribly awry today in just horrible fashion. Um, but yeah, good call on the Raiders. I like that one. And um, I took took your boy Jacoby Myers anytime TD revenge game tug. So good call. There we go, baby. There we go. I don't want to get too big headed though. Six and six on the season. Just losing our, our, our listeners' juice so far, but stick with us. We're getting better. We're getting our feet under us. We're doing better. And if I saw correctly, Hank's got the G-Men plus 15 and a half, and it looks like they're winning nearing the end of the first here. Yeah, near two minutes left in the first. Giants are up three on that monster spread. So <laughs> Hank's got to get back on it. He got cocky with the 3-0. He stopped sitting at the desk. So we told him he had to sit at the desk and start making picks again. He basically had to get back to work. Yeah, who does he think he is, man, Lou? Yeah, right, Jesus. He just gets to take work off all the time? I know. Um, I think we got to mention just this Vikings-Bears game just because it's a division game, and it's like, who cared this was even happening? And, God, they are both really bad. Uh, The Vikings won our division last year. Like, how are they so awful? They're, How are they so bad? They're really bad. I, 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 There's no even answer for it. Like, I can't put my finger on it. They're just not good anywhere. They're good at receiver, and that's it. Like, I just don't see another position. I'm like, ah, the Vikings are strong in linebacker. They have a great D-line or a good secondary. Like, they're just good and deep at receiver. And other than that, they don't have much. They wanted to give that game away. A homeboy who Tyson bagged. Bagent, Tyson Bagnet. I, I, I'm a, I'm a pretty avid football fan. And when they said his name and the school that he was from, I didn't know either. I had no clue of either of those. He came yeah. in with like a half sleeve, fumbled to the crib the first play. <laughs> Just a disastrous start. But those teams are dead. Bears were dead with Fields. They're going to be miserable without Fields. And the Vikings. They're stuck in purgatory. They're like the 2011 Pistons. They're going to have the 8th to the 12th pick. They're just going to be just good enough, but not bad enough. They're never going to get a top-end quarterback unless they trade up in the draft. So they've got to decide. I saw that they want to keep Kirk Cousins. I don't know if that's a him not wanting to waive his trade clause or not, but nonetheless – they, they can't go the route they're going because 6-11 and is not going to get them Caleb Williams or Drake May next year. 
No, that's true. And but I don't know. I mean, watching USC, you know, I don't know if Caleb Williams. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how to get it. I saw this really funny fake tweet from this account called NFC North News, and it's just like fake tweets. Um, but it said breaking Vikings. Uh, this was like earlier this week. It said breaking Vikings practice ended early today after an outburst during a drill from head coach Kevin O'Connell. O'Connell brought his players outside in the cold rain and used a hundred pound scepter to hit the players in an attempt to cut down on in-game fumbles. As running back Alexander Madison was going through the drill, O'Connell yelled, this is all your fault as he swung the scepter, knocking Madison unconscious. After waiting 20 minutes to see if he was faking, practice was called early and Madison is now questionable for Sunday. Um, and the picture is like him, like waving, like a, like one of those <laughs> drill scepter things. And it's just, I don't know, to me, that cracked me up. of <laughs> just like him yelling at Madison saying, this is all your fault. And then they waited 20 minutes to see if he was faking. And the amount of people, this has 5.8 million views on Twitter. And the amount of people who are just like, this is crazy. I can't believe he did this. Like, they just all think it's real. They think it's all real, which cracks me up. People, man. Like, well, he's fired. Yeah. People, man. Yeah. Internet going to internet. Internet's a crazy place, huh? Yeah. New Detroit knows. Lions. So is Detroit. Detroit's a crazy place. 13 <laughs> and 3 record in their last 16 games. Best 16 game stretch since 1961, 1962. Let's That's... keep it going. We're just beginning. That's what we've got to think about. We're a third of the way through the regular season. We are just beginning. Speaking of just beginning, I want to talk about the Red Wings beginning their season this week. Awesome start to the season, one and one. They drop game one to New Jersey. Like I said before, though, New Jersey is like a cup contender. That was a road game. That was a tough place to start. Um, I didn't, I thought the Wings had a good first period. They really took it to the Devils. And on the second period, uh, the Devils kind of found their footing and started to show that they're a little bit of a better team. Wings dropped that one four to two, but let's focus on Saturday where I'll call them a rival. Tampa Bay comes into uh, Little Caesars Arena for the home opener. Wings win the game six to four, um, out shooting Tampa 42 to 21. Um, one of the most exciting games, not kidding, that Little Caesars Arena probably has ever seen. Dylan Larkin called it the loudest he's ever heard the stadium um, since he's been playing there. Alex DeBrinket scores. He's got, uh, he's absolutely on fire. He was the player of the game. Three new guys scored, Sprong, DeBrinket, um, and I want to say Comfer all scored for the Wings. Mm-hmm. Um which is just, yeah, so Sprong, Debrinket, Raymond, Comfort did score, Debrinket scored again, and then Moritz Sider had an empty net goal to close the game. Uh, Detroit hockey is so fucking back right now. I told you we're a better team. We look like a better team. And Tampa Bay is that team we need to, like, get over the hump on. Uh, they've won back-to-back Stanley Cups. It's where Iserman came from. They've owned the Atlantic for a long time now. We see them all the time, and all they've done is fed us our lunch for the past fucking, I don't know, seven years. It's time to start beating Tampa, and doing that in front of a sold-out crowd on LCA on opening night uh, was exactly what this team needed to start out the season. Who dumped uh, that lightning player over the boards NHL hit style? That was Lucas Raymond. Oh, really? Um, 
Yeah, so Raymond's like a small guy, but the word on the street is he's beefed up this year. He's added 20 pounds of muscle, and it was cool to see him fucking throw someone in a bench because he doesn't really do that. So he did that, and he scored a goal last night or uh, Saturday night, which was which is last night, I guess, uh, which is fantastic. And I thought you said preseason. That was one of the guys you wanted to see get back on track. Had a really good yeah. rookie season. Didn't play as well last year. Um, I know you wanted to see him get back on track, so that's good to see him. Obviously, Debrinket, big offseason move. I think he has, what, three goals in his first two games? Absolutely on fire. He got the one star, right, at the home game? Yep, he got the number one star. Um, Two goals and an assist. Um, He has been as advertised so far to start the season. Him and Larkin on a um, two-on-one, Larkin Larkin feeding Debrinket and burying the goal. I mean, that's why we got the guy and him paired next to Larkin. I mean, it's just like a Red Wings, like Michigan dream, you know, for, for game one. And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but like, man, that was just an awesome home opener. And the wings with the presentation of the game are doing more things that like we've been asking them to do for a while. So uh new Red Wings goal song, they went with Eminem. So it's without me. It's like the end where he's just like, nah, 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 nah. So they added that, which gets everyone pumped because it's fucking Eminem. It's Detroit. It's layup line stuff. And then after the game, uh, they played Hey, Hey, Hockey Town, like the actual song from the 90s um, that they discontinued. They stopped playing Hey, Hey, Hockey Town, but they brought that back, which is fantastic. And then the Joe Louis Arena goal horn. They got the new goal horn in there from Joe Louis Arena before they were using a recording. Now they have the actual compressed air goal horn. Um, and it just makes everything better. I mean, this is all the nostalgia, old stuff of the Red Wings that they kind of got rid of when they went to LCA and no one wanted them to get rid of it. So they brought it all back and now we're winning. Like now it seems like we have a decent roster and that's all back. So it's just fucking good stuff. Like that was like an awesome Red Wings game to watch. That was nostalgic for me. I know you, you said it or you posted it the other day about what they were doing to bring back some of the nostalgia from Joe Lewis. I want to go a couple steps further, and this is Chandler's plan to implement the old Red Wings into this season. Step number four, re-implementation of Karen Newman as singing the national anthem. Step number five, cigarettes allowed in the beer garden outside of LCA. No more, no cigs on the ground. Let's get gritty. Step number six, let's go back to the white home jerseys i know that was like a 90s thing but i don't know there's something about seeing the wings in the white home jerseys i know red wings traditionalists probably love the red one but i'm just saying bring back the nostalgia if you are we need karen back we need heaters in the beer garden and we need the pearl whites at home I love it, Channing. The only thing you forgot was to bring back Molson Triple X, which is <laughs> motor oil. That's Motor City Motor Oil is what that is. And that's why the wing that powered us to four Stanley Cups in our lifetime. And the other thing, of course, we need is the piss troughs. Um, we're all peeing in individual stalls now with separators. That's not how you build camaraderie. That's not how you build a fan base. That's not how the boys get all close to each other in the bathrooms. We need the piss troughs. We need the piss troughs. Everyone knows it. I know it. Everyone needs them. We need piss troughs back at Little Caesars Arena. Um, So people know I love those, and we'll just keep pushing until we get our way one day. 
The jersey thing, though, is interesting because the Wings used to wear whites at home and all NHL teams used to wear whites at home because if you went to a lot of games, that way you'd get to see all the different colors of the road teams that visited. Mm -hmm. Well, they switched it because they're like, well, the fans want to see their team in their favorite jerseys, which is usually the colored jerseys. Um, you know, it's it's whatever you th- your opinion is on it. Um, but I'm kind of with you. Like, I wouldn't. I would like to see. I think like the road jerseys of other teams in the building. You know, like Toronto's blues and Boston's darks and and all of that. Um, but either way, I love both wings jerseys. So it's it's either way to me. I don't I don't have too too firm of a stance on it to be quite honest. And maybe just for a couple games. You know, they wear the the black and red jerseys for a couple games. Throw the pearl whites on for a games. Bring back the Fedorov white skates. Just white out <laughs> for a couple games. Hey, hell, put the seat covers in LCA as white. And that's been um, such a, a, a point of emphasis in arguing about Little Caesars Arena. Make the damn seat covers white and white out for a couple games a year. I don't want to do seat covers today because I'll just <laughs> I, that one gets that one does get me spicy. And right now we're happy with the wings, so I want to sit and be happy with the wings. So. Yeah, Wings upcoming schedule this week. Um, we are going to let's see what we got. I, I know we play Columbus, the Penguins, right? Yeah, we're at Columbus tomorrow, and then we got uh, Pittsburgh on Wednesday. Okay, um, so I'll, I'm actually going to that Wednesday game, so we'll have to we have to talk about our fizz scheduling. But, um, yeah, but yeah, so Columbus and Pittsburgh probably the next time we'll be talking. But really hope they can uh, keep fighting. Huso looked good. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the team. Sprong, Sprong is a name you're going to want to remember. That guy's strong on the puck. He's got two garbage goals in two games, and I love a, a good junkyard dog. So if you can keep finding the puck in gritty ways, it's a good guy to have. I, I, you know, I saw that the Pittsburgh game's on TNT. I'm wondering if uh, Sir Charles is going to be here for the pregame. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> that'd be nice. All right. Well, Frank – We've talked about the Lions, we've talked about the Red Wings, but we've got to talk about what may be the biggest event this week. I know Spartan Nation is down this year, but it's time to get up. It's fucking rivalry week. I don't care if we're 0-8 and we haven't scored a damn point all year. You get up, you go down the street, and you play your fucking rival in Michigan this week who has everything to play for and we have nothing to lose, especially after blowing a 24-6 lead against arguably the worst program in the Big Ten. With that being said, though, it's fucking rivalry week. We're six days out. They're coming to Spartan Stadium at night. First game since the tunnel incident. What's your feelings? Um, Chandler, if I'm being completely honest, I just hope we don't embarrass ourselves too much like I just that's I I am not even it's Sunday night that game feels so far away I'm still thinking about that Rutgers loss where we just gave up 21 points by in the snap of a finger um I haven't given this game one thought I kind of forgot it was this upcoming week Uh, I, I I mean this is just coming from my heart right now the the team the program is embarrassing to me do I want them to beat Michigan? I want nothing more for them to beat Michigan. Will I watch the game? For sure I'll watch the game. As long as they're still in it, I'll be watching the game. Um, but, yeah, that's my true thoughts is I just hope we don't embarrass ourselves too much because I think the score 
will be an embarrassment. I think Michigan will beat the shit out of us. Um, I just hope we don't do anything stupid. Like, I don't know. Cause when you have nothing to play for and you're not going to go to the school anymore and tempers get high and that rivalries, whatever, and they're going to be saying everything they're going to be saying. Um, I just hope we don't do anything stupid. Dead serious. Well, I hope we, we really get up because in all of sports, I watch every one of them. I will love all of our local teams. I don't love anything better than when the Michigan State Spartans beat the shit out of the Michigan Wolverines. And I know it's unlikely to happen, but Frank, for a second, I want you to go to a far, far away land with me, all right? Let's hone in here, okay? Since 2000, that's the last 23 meetings, Michigan is 12-11 and against Michigan State. We're right there. We hang with them. They're They're not better than us. We're equal to them the last 23 years okay we have nothing to play for thus we should be exhausting our full playbook this week we've got kids as you mentioned that probably aren't coming back who need to show out this is the most eyes that will be on a game the rest of the year is this game we've got no bowl game to prep for this is the game we pull out all the trick plays and on the other side Michigan has two if not four to five games that are seemingly going to matter more for their season than this one. So we have nothing to lose. They have everything to lose. We always play them tough. We always seem to get up. And if you remember last year, that was a playoff team, Michigan was. That was a one-possession game at half. We played them tough for a majority of that game and then got disrespected at the end when they ran up the score and, and ended up beating us by several touchdowns. So it's a 24-and-a-half-point spread. That's an absolute sin, and I'm not going to stand for it. Spartan Nation, rise up. Football players, fans, if you're listening to this, don't expect less because of the records. This is fucking rivalry week. This is maize and blue versus green and white, and that's all that matters is you beating the team across from you. Stay in the game. The longer the underdog stays in the game, the more confidence they get. Michigan State is going to go out and play tough this weekend. And I'm not going to sit up here and ever say that Michigan's going to beat us. I'm not going to allow it. Let's go green and white. Let's shock the world. And let's make our season and turn this damn thing around brick by brick going into next year. Incredible. Incredible, Channing. Just, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, we need more guys like you at MSU on the forefront, as opposed to guys like me who just say, like, I hope we don't embarrass <laughs> ourselves too much because that's where I'm at. And I'm, I, I, your speech is amazing. I think it's all the correct things and the right things to say. If I'm betting with my head, which I never would and I won't, I got Michigan covering that number, no problem. I got no faith going into this game. I, I hate to say it. I just don't see it. I think MSU is going to play them tough. They always do. I'm hoping Coach D's on the sideline. I'm hoping Coach Izzo's on the sideline. It's a night game. Um, I'm just hoping that, again, Michigan is going to take us for granted and they're looking at the record and not the team and not the university that's on the other side. And I think for us, we're looking at the record and the university on the other side and saying, hey, this is a gigantic opportunity for what seems to be a season that's going nowhere. This is one of, if not the last thing that we had to play for. So 
I love where we're at. Um, you know, it's going to be tough. But what I will say is this. MSU has looked good through three quarters of a game, two straight games on the road. These teams aren't great. Iowa's not great. Rutgers isn't great. That meltdown was absolutely embarrassing. And everyone on that sideline should be absolutely embarrassed blowing an 18-point lead to Rutgers. And with that being said, we've played six out of our last eight quarters of good football. We just can't close. Fair enough. Fair enough. We just can't close right now. But, Frank, I'm fucking ready. We should be fucking ready. This is Michigan, man. This is fucking Michigan. Come on. I'm not, I'm not there, man. for it, man. I'm, it's I'm, Michigan. Is, you can keep saying that, and I'm not going to – I'm not getting up right now. I'm, I, there, this team has given me zero reason to get up whatsoever this year. Zero. None. Not a single reason to get up, excited, or anything for this game. And I hate – I'm so mad at the program and the university right now that, like, I am having a hard time finding the fire that you have within you to get excited for this game right now. And that Rutgers game, I just like, it, it was just like, okay, like we are pathetic. So again, I respect your fire, your passion. I wish I was there and had that blind faith right now. I bet you as this week goes on, as we get a little closer, we do our midweek show. I'll be a little more fired up right now. I'm still wearing the wounds from Saturday and the rest of the season. And uh, I, I don't have the fire right now. I don't have the fire to back up the Spartans right now. I'm way more on the Lions and the Wings. All right. All right. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I Frank. apologize. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey. It is what it is. What <laughs> I got to tell you? Wait, I got to tell you some good Spartan news. I don't have any good news for the football team. Basketball team signed Jason Richardson's kid today. That was great. He's a four-star top 50 player. That might get you excited. That might get you back in the Sparty spirit. Hey, Spartan hoops all day, baby. I'm cool with that. <laughs> football program is in the toilet, and we're staring down the barrel of fucking a steamrolling in prime time in our own barn from our arch rival. More likely or less likely that we get Urban Meyer if we lose this week? Oh, man. Uh, more or less likely. That is so – I don't even know. Uh, let's see. Probably more likely – because if we get the doors beat off of us like 56-7 or something like that, then his price tag is just going to keep going up and up. Fair enough. So, oh, I don't know if that's more likely. It's probably less likely. His price tag is going to go up, so it'll be less likely. It's fair enough. I just yeah. – whatever we need to do to get him, that's our only hope the rest of this Spartan football <laughs> season. <laughs> I know. And All right. Saturday. Well – you know, um, I'm glad you got the heat. Someone's got to, someone's got to drag this ship along. Um, and you know, you got to be fans even when they suck. And I'm still a fan of theirs. I just, I'm not as, I don't have that fire that you got right now. And I'm happy that you do. I'm going to uh, my niece's birthday. Her dad is a diehard Michigan fan. The birthday's at three o'clock on Saturday. The whole family's Michigan fans. And I'm wearing my green and white into there. I'm going to be loud. I'm going to be confident because you know what, damn it, we only have three games every year, one football and two basketball, that you can get up and head-to-head talk shit to the Michigan fucking fan base that I absolutely despise. I just hate that university. 
hate everything about it. Don't you remember the tunnel incident? They, they tried charging these kids after Michigan skipped in front of us, disrespected us on the field. They tried charging the kids. I mean, Frank, you don't have any of the fire in you. Come on. I can see no. it in you. I see, a little, zero. I see a little glimmer there. I am dying to move on to over-under. <laughs> like, dying to get off this topic and go to over-under. <laughs> go ahead. We'll, we'll fire, right. fire midweek. Yeah, let's go midweek. It's not a – yeah. I was doing Lions and Wings today. All right. We got over-unders. <laughs> Close out our Sunday show. LGRW from Jerry. He says the Hornies are 13-2 and with playoffs next week. More info as requested about the game we lost. 3-1 battle without our second best player who is suspended for the rest of the season season because his idiot dad let him play in a men's league tournament over Labor Day. Holy shit, Jerry. Like, did you want me to read that out loud? I don't know if you I do they don't listen, right? Okay. I mean you wrote it, so I read it. I don't That's think okay. anyone from Kirtland, Ohio is listening to our show. Well, if they know Jerry's, like, sending the over-unders, they might. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, yeah, so they're missing their second-best player due to dad. Um, okay, over-under. Channy, you're leading it off. Number one, Yo Mama jokes. Yo Mama jokes. So Yo Mama was – was that uh, Wilmer Valderrama back in the day? He hosted I don't that know. show on, uh, on MTV. Was that Yo Mama? I don't know. Do I don't you remember, remember that, that? Show. No. Oh, okay. I, maybe I'm thinking, yeah, Yo Mama, reality TV show. But <laughs> nonetheless, Yo Mama jokes are overrated. Those were good in, in elementary school, maybe junior high, but Yo Mama jokes are played out. There's only so many things you can say about your mama. And guess what? Don't talk about my mama and I won't talk about yours. Overrated. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say underrated. Top playground joke growing up, great childhood thing to do. And who doesn't love every once in a while pulling out a nostalgic your mama joke? They don't even have to be about your mom. It's just kind of the tee up in, into teeing up an insult. Classic, timeless, not – they don't ever get old. Yo mama jokes, underrated. Don't hear enough of them these days. Need to, need to have more of them. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Number two, I'm up. Halloween costume parties. Halloween costume parties are underrated. Uh, I enjoy Halloween costume parties. Halloween is my favorite holiday of the year. Michigan State Halloween was the best time of my life. The par- the dressing up and being to be able to dress up and act like an idiot and have some drinks with your friends is always a good time. And when there's themed, I like seeing people get into it. It's fun to like let loose and be into something and not be too cool for it. Um, I like Halloween costume parties. I'm saying underrated. I agree. And I'm in lockstep with you, Frank. Underrated. The stiffs. I'm too old. Like, what am I going to be? Like, isn't that what you do when you're a kid? Like, no, don't grow the fuck up. Like, you have two or three days a year where you're allowed to dress up. Renaissance Festival, Halloween, and maybe, I don't know, some other crazy day. But nonetheless, don't grow up. Like, you could be a kid. You could dress up, be creative, have fun, let your hair down. Underrated. Yeah, 100%. It's just fun. And if you don't want to do it, like, just don't go, you know. I, there's always too cool don't don't want to dress up. Um, number three, Darren McCarty. 
It's on you, Channy. Dylan McCarty. So, I mean, how can you have any other answer other than this? Underrated. I mean, he was the heart and soul uh, with Stevie Y, with Lidstrom, with Shanahan of a lot of those teams. He was the, a fan favorite through so many years. Always the guy to stand up for uh, some of those guys that didn't want to fight. He was the grit. He was part of so many championship and Stanley Cup winning Detroit Red Wing teams. And he stayed in the area and made it his home. Darren McCarty, underrated. Yeah, absolutely. You're never going to hear me say a crossword about the legend Darren McCarty. I mean, scored one of the most iconic goals in Red Wings history versus the Flyers, uh, the fight versus Lemieux. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Absolute Red Wings legend, still part of the organization, still loves Detroit, uh, was in a rock band, was just a fucking rock star. Darren McCarty, underrated. Um, what else can you say? Guy lived a dream life. Um, number four, on to me, Cedar Point. Cedar Point. I am always in the minority with this opinion. Cedar Point is very overrated. Um, and I guess I can't even really say it's overrated. I've never even been there. But I have no interest in going to Cedar Point whatsoever. I'm a candy ass. I don't like roller coasters. I have no interest in driving down to Ohio and spending my time, my money, my day in middle America riding roller coasters. It's just not for me. I get nauseous. I'll throw up. And I don't find any fun in roller coasters. So to me, Cedar Point, vastly overrated. Although I do agree with your answer of overrated, I'm shocked to the road that took you there and letting us all know that you've never even been there. I'm not a roller coaster guy. I don't proclaim to be. I, I always say my line, I don't like to pay to get scared or feel sick. Like that's not (laughs) fun to me. So Cedar Point is overrated, albeit I've been there a couple times growing up. Oh, nice. I've been to, so I went to Six Flags. And to me, that was like, okay, if this is what this is, I'm all set. (laughs) That was my thought on that. Um, Okay, number five to you, Channy. I think I know this answer. Number five, cooking dinner at home over or underrated? Oh, underrated. We, we love cooking dinner at home. We've done uh, something, me and my wife now, we try to do it at least three days a week, lower the expenses and try new things. Um, if you haven't looked, 30 minute or under meals on Instagram, great place to look, try new dishes. And uh, it, it's underrated. Cooking with your partner is great. Underrated. Yeah, I got to agree. Underrated. Uh, when... You're able to take the time, get the stuff you want, make a good meal at home. It's 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 awesome. You feel better after. It's a pain in the ass. There's a lot of times I don't feel like cooking. Um, it's a lot easier just to order out and all of that. But when you actually can do it, you have the time, you enjoy doing it, and you make something you like, uh, you normally feel better too. So, um, yeah, I'll say cooking dinner at home is, is underrated for sure. Well, that was it. That was our list. Um, and that was our show. So... To all of you listening out there, thank you very much for listening to episode 123 of The Fizz. We are doing this twice a week now, so you can catch us usually on Monday and then midweek Thursday most of the time. Sometimes it changes based on our schedules, but we're two times a week now. If you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, please rate this five stars, write a review, send it to somebody, talk about it, post about it, all of that stuff. Um, But hey, we appreciate each and every one of you. Teams are starting to win. Hockey's back officially. The Lions are leading the NFC. 
this is going to get fun. Pistons are right around the corner. Fuck, rivalry week as Channy just fucking got all the Sparties fired up. Stick with us. Tell your friends. Um, and we appreciate you guys. And we will see you later this week. Five and one, everybody. Let's keep it rolling. We'll see you midweek. Believe in it. See ya.